how do you determine an elite wide receiver? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. That's the question that led me to making my model that has 40 metrics of prior top wide receiver information that can help me identify potential top five, top 12, and top 24 fantasy wide receivers. Some of you out there really believe that the breakout age is the answer to the riddle. And I'm here to tell you that is absolutely false. Breakout age is a piece of the puzzle, but you have to add context to the breakout age. Let me tell you this, looking at top five fantasy wide receivers, breakout age of 21 years of age, Michael Thomas, Anquan Bolden, Brandon Marshall, okay, all three studs that you would love to have on your fantasy team. How about breakout age of 20, Andre Johnson, AJ Green, Jordy Nelson, all wide receivers you'd love to have on your fantasy team. What about a breakout age of 19, Devontae Adams, Demarius Thomas, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, all wide receivers you would love to have on your fantasy team. What about a breakout age of 18? Des Bryant, Mike Evans, Larry Fitzgerald, Keenan Allen, Calvin Johnson. All wide receivers you would love to have on your fantasy team. Do not discredit a wide receiver based on the breakout age unless, unless it is 22 years or older. Because I have zero wide receivers that have hit a top five ceiling with a breakout age of 22 years or older. It doesn't matter if it's 18. It doesn't matter if it's 19. It doesn't matter if it's 20 or 21. As long as they hit a breakout age with, with before age 22, that's what matters. I built this model and pulled in all types of metrics to help paint this picture of what a top wide receiver looks like. It's not one metric. It's not two metrics. It's not five metrics. I have a model that has 40 metrics that I look at to help me identify top five, top 12, and top 24 wide receivers based on what we have seen, what the history books have showed us. Metrics, I mean, we start at the beginning. We look at how many games they played in college how many receptions they had in college, how many yards, how many yards per season, how many yards per game, how many yards per reception, right? We look at all that information because there's a pattern when you look at wide receivers that hit in the NFL compared to what they did in college. We look at the college dominator rating based on yards. We don't look at touchdowns. Touchdowns are not sticky. You can have 20 touchdowns in a season and one the next year. That doesn't matter to, to me in my model. We look at receiving yards per team pass attempt. We look at the market, the market share of the yards by age, the best season they had. What was their average? I mean, there's so many different metrics that I look at. So many different metrics. And I could, I could go all day just talking about the metrics. Then we look at the athletic measurables, right? We look at BMI. I can tell you right now, 
The lightest BMI to ever hit a top five ceiling is Brandon Lloyd at 25. Next is AJ Green at 25.94. So I can tell you no receiver has ever hit a top five ceiling with a lower than a 25 BMI. So those that say BMI doesn't matter, well, if you add it to other metrics, it does matter. It absolutely does matter. 40 times, they matter. Height, it matters. Weight, it matters. Vertical jump and broad jump, those matter. Those that say the combine doesn't matter, they absolutely matter. And if you don't think it matters, maybe you should improve your process. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and knock everyone for their process, but don't sit there and say things don't matter because if you put them into context, every variable that you can add to your arsenal is going to improve your process. Don't be lazy. Find a pattern. Find what has worked in the past for NFL wide receivers. Add it to your process because I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now from my model. The lowest vertical jump by a top five wide receiver was 30.25, and that was Cooper Cup. Jordy Nelson had a 31-inch vert. Michael Thomas had a 33-inch vert. If you like a wide receiver that has under a 30-inch vertical jump, the chances of him hitting a top five ceiling are next to none. If he hit it, he would be an outlier. That's what my model can tell me. Now, I do evolve my model every year because as players hit, if the metrics lower or higher than, than normal, we adjust for that because the NFL evolves. But you can't just watch somebody on tape and say, I like what they do. I run them through my model. They have a 20-inch vertical jump. Oh, they're going to be the next best thing. No, it doesn't work that way. I was a mediocre fantasy player thinking that my process was correct Relying on my past experience watching film, watching players, saying, you know what, that guy's going to hit. I can, I, that guy's going to hit. He's going to hit. But it was after I started incorporating data and history. And you collect this data and you compare it to the history of the NFL and the history of wide receivers that have hit. They're all similar. They're all so similar. There are people that will have just a film process, and that's fine. There's people that will have a data process, and that's fine. But what I've seen based on my experience, if you combine the two, if you combine data and film, you have such a better, a clearer image of what you might be getting than if you only choose one or two sides. So this argument that I see on Twitter of data versus film one thinks they're better than the other the truth is you both suck you both suck why don't you work together and maybe you will be successful more successful yes the film crew will hit a few the data film will hit a crew a few but if you join forces maybe your hit rates better have you ever fucking thought of that Quit arguing with one another who's the best and just join forces. That's what I've done. I compare both film and data. And I'm going to list off some of my top wide receivers to you today. And you're going to think I'm fucking crazy. 
how the hell do you have that player so low? How do you have him so high? It's because I combined the history of what we've seen from top wide receivers and I compare that with what I see on tape and I come to a conclusion. But let me tell you something. Never get overconfident in your process and overvalue your opinion because you're going to get in trouble. Nobody gets it right all the time. And when I advise people that follow me or people that ask for advice, when I advise you to make a decision, I bake in that cost of failure versus the cost for success. This is why I will always preach you never buy high because if you're wrong, you're going to set your franchise back so many years. You need to get in the habit of buying low, drafting players at value, removing emotion out of your decision-making process. Let the data and the film tell you what to do. Act accordingly and pay the cost that you should be paying to acquire these players. So let's get a drink and let's get into my top 15 rookie wide receivers pre-draft. I'm on some beer tonight. I'm going with this beer that I got in Florida called Orange Blossom Pilsner from the Orange Blossom Brewing in Florida. This is a 11% alcohol by volume. So this bad boy is going to be nice and potent. Let's get started. Wowzers. Holy cow. Whoa. That is gonna slap all right let's go ahead and start with wide receivers number one the only receiver in this class that grades as a top five wide receiver according to my model is minnesota wide receiver rashad bateman now last year the only receiver in my model that graded a top five was justin jefferson and you know, some say that some receivers had higher ceilings than Justin Jefferson, and that's possible, right? Justin Jefferson was a safe, across-the-board player that hit every metric that you need. There was question marks around CeeDee Lamb. On an analytical side, his BMI was a little low. On a film side, his competition could be questioned, right? Jerry Judy also had some question marks. Those were my other two top receivers. The model projected them to be top 12, which a top 12 wide receiver is still a, a wide receiver one. So it's nothing to sneeze at. But those elite type players that check every box based on the history of keeping track of elite wide receivers, Rashad Bateman hits every metric. Okay, Last year, Justin Jefferson, we talked about his comp being similar to Keenan Allen, similar to Stephon Diggs. Really good comps across the board. Rashawn Bateman is no slouch either. He's not the 6'2", 200-pound wide receiver that we thought he was going into the combine. 
but that's fine. He still measures in at a size that has produced elite wide receivers. And just recently, we had Calvin really last season. Rashad Bateman compares favorably to Calvin Ridley. So if you if you want that type of profile, Rashad Bateman is your guy. Now, the model compares him. His low-end comp is Jeremy Macklin. And his high-end comp is Justin Jefferson. The model projected Rashad Bateman to have a high-end comp of Justin Jefferson. Now, do I think that he's going to be Justin Jefferson? No. Did anyone predict Justin Jefferson to do what he did last year? No. Part of that, not only is the athletic measurables there, but Justin Jefferson has the mindset, the determination, the chip on his shoulder to be the best player that he can be. That is something I identified early on the process with Justin Jefferson. I really liked him. Every time he did something, he always said he was out to prove somebody wrong. You like to hear that in athletes. It's not everything, but you like to hear those players that just want to be the best at everything they do. So Justin Jefferson was was my guy. Last year, Rashad Bateman this year, I haven't seen necessarily that I've got to be the best, but I have seen in some research that he loves football. He wants to be around his teammates. He seems like he wants to be successful. Um, So is he going to be Justin Jefferson? No, I don't think so. Could he be a wide receiver one? I think so. You know, claiming someone's a top five talent right off the rip before they've even stepped on the NFL field, you know, it's pretty bold. You can't overvalue your own confidence, right? But what my process does is is this is baked in. So so we're not going to reach for Rashad Bateman as the top receiver. We're going to let other teams take Jamar Chase, take Devonta Smith, take Rondell Moore, take those other guys that they want. We're going to hope and prepare to be at the middle or end of round one to be able to scoop up Rashad Bateman. And if we do, if we are in position to get someone like Jamar Chase or Devonta Smith, we're either going to trade down with someone that, that values those receivers and add some, you know, players. Or, you know, there is a situation where we might just have to take Rashad Bateman early if that's where we're going at receiver early on in the draft. So for me, Rashad Bateman is the number one wide receiver in this class. I don't think he has very many weaknesses, and if he does... I think they can be overcome at the next level. My number two wide receiver in this class is Devonta Smith. And Devonta Smith grades out as a top 12 wide receiver ceiling. And technically, his weight, his BMI, drops him off the model completely. Now, I have... So if we're going strictly by the model, Devonta Smith doesn't even hit a top 5, 12, or 24 season. So this basically is a pick that I've made based on the film that I've seen the thought process that the NFL might be going to you know a more lighter elusive slot receiver I think Devonta Smith's going to come in and be a slot receiver at the next level Devonta Smith there's questions about him you know why didn't he produce before Jerry Judy was there I think that his weight has always been an issue for him I think that there are prospects better than him uh, in this class you know obviously I have Rashad Bateman others would have Jamar Chase and even some other players. Uh, but for me, Devonta Smith is there. I don't think the weight's going to impact him as much as a lot of people do. And I could be clearly wrong on this. So one thing you want to do is make sure you're not overpaying for these prospects. Because if you're wrong, you can really set your fantasy franchise back. Um, now, if you like a guy, it's, there's nothing wrong with going after them. But do not 
sell the farm to acquire any of these prospects, not Jamar Chase, not Kyle Pitts, not Rashad Bateman, not Devonta Smith, not Najee Harris, not any of the quarterbacks. There will be value in drafts, okay? Those that that fell in love with CeeDee Lamb or Clyde Edwards-Alaire and traded up, value falls, right? We were scooping up Jefferson at the end of the first round, 9, 10, 11, right? These things happen. Not saying that we're going to have another season like Justin Jefferson, but there are value players that fall in draft. So be patient, all right? If you want to trade up, just don't don't trade too much because it could bite you in the ass if you're wrong. Never be too confident in your process because no one can get it perfect all the time. Devonta Smith, I think that he can do everything you ask for. I think uh, you know he, he can create separation. He's fast. He's elusive. He's a great route runner. He's a great teammate. He played defensive back for a while. He can manipulate the defensive backs when he lines up at wide receiver. He had a second-round grade as a prospect last year. Decided he wanted to come back, and potentially that elevated him into the first round. So he won the Heisman. If he doesn't run, if he doesn't measure, most likely he's still going to be a second-round pick. So Devonta Smith didn't really feel like he had that much to lose. Decided not to run. He's still going to be a first-round draft pick. You know, I'm betting on him. He's my second player uh, receiver. So if Bateman's off the board and Devontae Smith there, I'm going to go Devontae Smith. Next is Jamar Chase. This is like a unanimous wide receiver one for a lot of people. And I think Jamar Chase is an extremely talented wide receiver. I think he has really good athletic measurables. But I can't say there aren't things that concern me about Jamar Chase. He's basically got one year of college production on a high-octane offense alongside Justin Jefferson with the former number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, Terrace Marshall, Clyde Rizalera, a lot of superstars on that team. He did perform one college season, all right? He opted out. I question his desire to be great at football. That's something that goes into my process. A lot of people don't really factor that in, and that's fine. How can you knock a player for something you don't really know? Uh, but in my process, I do look at uh, their desire to be great, to be good NFL players. Um, and I question his dedication and loyalty to the game of football. Third thing is he's got really short arms. If you look at his size compared to his arm lengths, they're relatively small compared to receivers at his normal size. I think, I know he had a high vertical jump, but so do NFL defensive backs. I'm questioning if his arm length is going to um, affect jump balls at the next level. Perhaps it didn't at the college level, um, but the NFL level, you have much more talented players at defensive back that could bring challenges to him uh, in tight windows, you know, with shorter arms versus longer arms where you can outstretch defenders uh, and use your arms to push defenders away trying to make reception. So, there's a few concerns for me. So to me, Jamar Chase is not a slam dunk at number one. Right now, I even have Devonta Smith over him at number two. I can't drop him any lower than three in this class. He's just too talented. Uh, he can go on the field day one, and if he goes to the Bengals, I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver. He can go on the field day one and dominate. So I can't drop him below um, anyone else in this class. The last wide receiver in this tier, top 12, the model believes Deami Brown. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's go back to Devontae Smith's comps. I keep forgetting the comps. Keep forgetting the comps. Devonta Smith's low-end comp is Titus Young. 
he was a receiver. I think he was out of like Boise State or something. Once the Lions had some mental things happen, uh, was out of the league, really had some good talent, um, was out of the league after a while. I think he might have had some injuries as well. Um, that's his low-end comp. His high-end comp is Isaac Bruce, uh, former Rams, former Memphis Tiger wide receiver. Came in the NFL, I think he was six foot one, 173, something similar to that. Devontae Smith measured at the medical combine at six foot 166. So a little slight comparison, but again, Devontae Smith on the light side. Now we look at Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase's low-end comp is Corey Coleman, a former first-round pick out of Baylor, Corey Coleman also, I believe, had shorter arms for his size. Uh, just could not put it together at the next level. You know, a lot of people loved him coming into the NFL, had the speed, had the playmaking ability, had the college production, just didn't pan out at the next level. High-end comp for Jamar Chase is DJ Moore. Now, I would definitely be happy with a DJ Moore clone, but again, DJ Moore isn't the Julio Jones, the AJ Greens, um, the Calvin Ridley's, or I'm sorry, the Calvin Johnson's, Larry Fitzgerald's. Those are elite players. I don't think Jamar Chase is that guy. I would be happy saying his ceiling is probably a DJ Moore, um, and, and I would be happy with that if Rashad Bateman and Devonta Smith were off the board. Next at number four, like I said, top 12. The model believes Deami Brown is a top 12 potential fantasy football wide receiver at the next level. Four-star recruit out of North Carolina, 21 years of age. His low-end comp, he doesn't have the best comps. His low-end comp is Denarius Moore. And I'm pretty sure Denarius Moore played for the Raiders for a while. Deami Brown's high-end comp is Marquise Lee. I think Deami Brown, on tape, he's got the deep skills. He's got the speed to get deep. He seems fearless across the middle. Has some questionable hands. Um, but... All in all, I think he's a good prospect. Landing spot will be important. We'll see where he lands. Um, but he could easily flame out based on his situation. I think Deami Brown, I would rather have Deami Brown probably than um, Denzel Mims from last season. I probably would like to have Deami Brown over Michael Pittman Jr. from last year. Um, I would probably rather have Deami Brown than Chase Claypool from last year. Um, so Deami Brown sitting there as wide receiver four for me in this class. Wide receiver five, Amon Ross St. Brown. We're in the top 24 potential ceilings now. Amon Ross St. Brown uh, has a potential top 24 wide receiver season ceiling in his range of outcomes. He was a five-star recruit. Uh, went to Southern California as a true freshman. Led the team in receptions. Michael Pittman Jr. was there. The second season, Michael Pittman had that breakout, so he he outdid uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in yards, but I believe St. Brown had Lee, um, the team leading receptions that well that year as well. 21 years of age, so all these receivers so far have been 21 years of age, except Devonta Smith is 22, uh, slightly older than the rest of the uh, receivers that I've mentioned so far. Low in comps for Amon Ross St. Brown, a low in comp of Anthony Miller. Uh, he was at, I believe he was at Memphis. As, was he at Memphis? Um, and he went to Chicago Bears. And the high-end comp for Amon Ross St. Brown is Kendall Wright. He was a first-round draft pick out of Baylor. Now, when I watch Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, he was used quite a bit as a deep threat uh, at USC, but I think he's more of that intermediate. He he reminds me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster, reminds me a lot of Keenan Allen-type player. Um, good, reliable hands. 
can, can really get in and out of breaks very well. Um, really subtle moves can just kind of shake the defensive back. Um, looks really good on tape, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. I think that he could be the sleeper of this draft because receivers that I have ranked below him are getting a lot more hype in this draft. So I think you're going to see Amon Ronsay Brown and Diami Brown drop in rankings. Um, now, watching the tape, I actually like tape. I like Amon Rossi and Brown better than I like Diami Brown. But the model thinks that Diami has a top 12 ceiling and Amon Ra Brown has a top 24. So I'm keeping in that order. Now, also, some top 24 wide receivers ranked. Um, but there are some flaws in their game or there are some concerns in their game. So while I have them ranked below Amon Ross St. Brown, they are in the same tier as far as top 24, and we'll go over them. So if you want to take a shot on these receivers over Amon Ross St. Brown, I'm not going to knock you for that. But if Amon Ross St. Brown outproduces all the receivers I'm about to mention, just know that you heard it here at the Roto Lounge that St. Brown was a better wide receiver prospect than some of the guys that you really loved or other people really loved in their rookie drafts. First up, number six wide receiver I have is Elijah Moore. Now, I really love Elijah Moore. He hit all the metrics uh, in the model to be a top 12 wide receiver until his pro day hit. And he measured in at, I think, 5'8 or 5'9, 178 pounds. If you look at the history of the model, no receiver has ever hit a top 24 season at his height and weight. So technically, Elijah Moore did not even make the top 24 in my model because of his size. All right. Now, a few things to look at when I break down Elijah Moore, because I watched a lot of his film and really... This is kind of confirmed on some of the film I watched. If you go back to the Alabama game when he had like 14 receptions, I don't remember what it was, 140, 190 yards. Literally a lot of his receptions, they had him in the backfield. Um, like he would go in motion one way or the other. They'd snap the ball. It would be like a quick out, like right out of the backfield where he didn't have anyone around him, like manufactured touches. And I think I counted like four to five of those in that game where he had 11 receptions. So it's a little skewed if you didn't actually watch the game. A lot of his other routes, he didn't create a lot of separation. Um, and he's not really considered an outside wide receiver. He's considered basically a slot receiver because of his height, because of his weight. Uh, and they're not expected to use him on the outside as much. Now, there are some height and weight comparisons to like Deontay Johnson, some others, but those guys are not as short as Elijah Moore and not as light. So his size concerns me. So right now he's he has an asterisk by his name in the top 24 because of those flaws. Now, the one thing I do like about Elijah Moore and the reason I did put him back in the, in the ranking is because after his pro day, you see him weeping and, and hugging his mom. He's just so happy. He's worked so hard to reach those milestones. I mean, I think he ran a 4.39.40 or something outrageous. Just did electric at his at his pro day. And you could just see the joy that he had for being successful. And it's similar to the joy that I saw with DK Metcalf and some other wide receivers that perhaps I didn't take enough value in that passion of wanting to be really good at what you do. So 
I'm keeping Elijah Moore as my number six wide receiver in this class because I feel like he wants to be great. He's going to do everything he can to be successful at the next level. He loves the game of football. And because of that, I'm not going to penalize him anymore. I'm going to put him in at number six on my rankings. If you look at his comps, his low-end comp is an Eddie Royal, which makes perfect sense. Eddie Royal came in, was a sleeper, had two, I think, two, three good seasons with Denver, went to Chicago, kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, I think he fell off in Denver before he left, but had that spike in volume for a few years and then just kind of fell off, most likely because of his size. His high-end comp is T.Y. Hilton. Now, I think if Elijah Moore can figure out how to play on the outside, whether it's technique or add some muscle or add some weight, if he can work on the outside and become a Ty Hilton. T.Y. Hilton was bigger, weighed more, um, had longer arms than Elijah Moore. So it's not a one-for-one come. But if Elijah Moore can become that T.Y. Hilton, he's going to be an absolute steal at this position, but I don't think he's going to hit that. I think everything has to go right for Elijah Moore to hit that ceiling. What what I see more of, and I made a tweet of this, I see more of a John Brown type player in Elijah Moore, and that's not a bad ceiling at all. That is not a bad prospect, but you have to know going into this that you're drafting John Brown. Don't go into this drafting Elijah Moore thinking you're going to have the next Antonio Brown because you're going to set yourself up for failure. If he becomes the next Antonio Brown, great. That would be terrific. But also, if it becomes the next John Brown, we have to be prepared for that. Or if it becomes the next Eddie Royal, we have to be prepared for that. We can't go ahead and just lock in an outcome because we don't know what's going to happen. If you love Elijah Moore, I'm not knocking you. I love him too. But I can't rank him over the other five wide receivers in this class because that height and weight is an issue for me. Number seven, Jalen Waddell. Jalen Waddle could very well be the first, second, third wide receiver off the board in this draft class. So it's crazy. You're like, Brad, how can you have him ranked at number seven? All right. Well, first of all, let me tell you one thing. Draft capital doesn't necessarily matter as much as you think it does for wide receivers. The only thing that matters for wide receivers as far as draft capital is, one, you're drafted within the first three rounds. In order to be successful at the NFL level, you have to be drafted within the first three rounds. So for some reason, if Amon Ross St. Brown falls out of the the first three rounds, if Diami Brown falls out of the first three rounds, if Elijah Moore falls out of the first three rounds, those are going to be even bigger concerns than their athletic measurables because very rarely, I'm talking about scarce as all get out, is a receiver that's drafted after the third round becomes an elite wide receiver. The ones that do do it are usually the ones that had character issues or some off-the-field issues that made them fall in drafts, like your Tyree Kills or your Antonio Browns um, that worked their way up and just had a desire to be great. I think Antonio Brown started out as a special teams player, finally got his chance to break out. So Jalen Waddle's going to have that chance. Elijah Moore's going to have that chance if they do play some special teams. But... Just because you're drafted in the first round or you're the first receiver taken, unless it's the top five, that's the only other metric that matters for wide receivers. If you're a wide receiver drafted within the top five of the draft, your odds of hitting are no different than pick six to the end of the third rounds. 
that is your threshold. So it doesn't matter to me if Jalen Waddle is the first wide receiver taken or the 10th, as long as he's within the first three rounds. Now, if he is in pick one through five, then I have to reevaluate my process, but I don't think he's going to. The reason I think he is going to be potentially first or second is because of his speed. He's an absolute electric wide receiver. Is he an alpha wide receiver one on the outside against a number one defensive back against the other team? No, I don't think that's Jalen Waddle. I think Jalen Waddle is a slot slash gadget slash manufactured touch slash punt returner, possibly kick returner football player. And that holds a lot of value at the next level. If he doesn't hit as a wide receiver, I think he's going to be fine as a, a special teams player. But that doesn't necessarily help us in fantasy drafts unless you have a special team bonus. So if you're in a league that has special team bonuses, Jalen Waddle needs to move up your board probably to one or two in this class because he's going to get the special team work uh, for his team, whether it's punt returns, whether it's kick returns, because he's so electric. I'd be willing to draft Jalen Waddle much, much earlier than Elijah Moore, Amon Ryan Brown, Dami Brown, you know, Devonta Smith, uh, and, and maybe even Rashad Bateman if you get those special teams points um, because he will generate those. The questions about Jalen Waddle that I have, he doesn't have enough the market share of his offense in any season that he played. As a true freshman, you know, he is kind of older. He's 22 years old. Came in as an older freshman, did a lot of return, was electric on returns, played a lot of slot, did good in the slot. Kind of um, went down from there. Uh, his sophomore season, Devonta Smith played more. Uh, Jerry Judy was moved into the slot a little more. Uh, and then as his junior season, just, you know, kind of didn't do much either. Um, I'm sorry, as a junior season, he was injured with Devonta Smith. Um, and he started out hot, but he got hurt. He got hurt. So he didn't hit the metrics of a market share that I'm looking for. Then you also got to talk about injury concerns, any of that stuff um, with Jalen Waddell. You know, he had the ankle, but he came back for the national title game. Should be fully recovered. But I'm concerned with his production in college, so I can't have him higher than seven. The model did not have him as a top 24 wide receiver in this class. I put him on there because he just has that potential ceiling. But if he busts, I will not be surprised one bit. Low-end comp, this is one that I put in. Uh, because we don't have really a lot of comps for him because he didn't uh, measure. So I kind of looked at some of the history he had, some some 40s that he ran as a true freshman there at Alabama. Uh, he also did some vertical jumps. But his low-end comp I put as Devin Hester because when I watch him play, as a return man, he reminds me of Devin Hester, someone that when he gets the ball, he is a threat to score on every play. Just very elusive, quick twitch, can make people miss, can do everything as a return man, similar to Devin Hester. They tried, Devin Hester was a defensive back in college at Miami. Chicago, he was such an elite athlete, they tried to move the wide receiver at the pros. Did pretty decent. I mean, if you watch some of his offensive plays as a receiver, he looks kind of like Jalen Waddle, uh, a little stockier than Jalen Waddle. Um, but, you know, that, that, that could be because of his pads, you know, because he was planning on getting hit as a kick returner. Um, so he was kind of bulked up with his pads. Um, but I see a Devin Hester type player with Jalen Waddle. So I think his low end comp, worst case scenario, I think he's a great kick returner in the NFL, punt returner. Um, but that doesn't necessarily help us in fantasy. 
His high-end comp I have as a Deshaun Jackson, okay? Would love to have Deshaun Jackson on my fantasy roster. I mean, he was hit and miss for a while. His first few seasons, he was pretty solid. Then as he got older, started having those soft tissue injuries because of that speed uh, that he has. So Jalen Waddle could potentially hit a Deshaun Jackson-type ceiling, and I'd be okay with that. Most likely, 99 to 100% chance I will have zero Jalen Waddle shares in this draft, and I'm okay with that. I am okay um, putting my shares towards Rashad Bateman, Devonta Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown, and some other wide receivers in this draft. Moving on, number eight, I have Seth Williams. And Seth Williams, the model projected as a top 24 wide receiver, and he didn't have any flaws. I have him below those two because I see flaws in his film, but I think it can also be corrected. He's still young. He's younger than we thought. I think they came out and um, his birthday was adjusted. He's a year younger than we had thought. Um, so he's 21 years of age in the draft. But when I watched his tape, he just seemed very inconsistent. Didn't look like he was really um, engaged in the game unless the ball was coming to him. Those are types of things that are not going to cut at the next level. Uh, it reminded me of uh, Brian Quick, who had all the talent in the world, just could not put it together. Consistency. Seth Williams needs to do that to be successful at the next level. Has everything else you're looking for. Uh, on certain occasions, I have um, some film for the patrons that I broke down. Did very good against Patrick Sertain Jr. against Alabama on some occasions. Did very good against Trayvon Diggs. Uh, on some occasions, and then some plays he just looked like he wasn't even paying attention, uh, wasn't engaged in the game, um, so I'm kind of concerned about that. But if he can put that together, Seth Williams could be a very good wide receiver at the next level, but he could easily bust out of the league. Uh, his low-end comp, the model projects Terrence Williams, a former Dallas Cowboys wide receiver from Baylor, and the high-end comp for Seth Williams is Sidney Rice. Now, Sidney Rice was, I believe, drafted by the Vikings, took off when he went to Seattle, or vice versa, I don't remember. Um, had a few good years, um, but Sidney Rice could be the high-end comp for, for, for Seth Williams. All right, number nine on my top 24 list is Tylen Wallace. Now, Tylen Wallace has an asterisk because of medical concerns. He tore his ACL, uh, went back to school, was very hesitant on his pro day metrics. Did not jump, did not have a very good broad jump, did not have a very good vertical jump. Um, it is true that his family has a history of leg injuries. I think his brother ended his career because he had multiple ACL injuries. Um, so Tylen Wallace decided he didn't want to do a lot of jumping at his pro day because he didn't want to risk getting injured now on the field he's a pretty decent wide receiver i think um, but those medical concerns do concern me just a bit uh, he's 21 he will be 22 i think shortly after the draft so he is a little older than the rest of the the uh, wide receivers in the in this class but if you can't trade out right when we get down to these later wide receivers i would suggest that you trade out and try to add either some proven players or some picks for the next few years, early picks, to where you have a higher 
probability of drafting a player that hits. Tylen Wallace is a 50-50 shot at hitting. You may love him. If you love him, draft him. If you're indifferent, you don't care. If you don't care, and you can move the pick, try to move the pick for a draft pick for the following season or a proven player um, because, again, he could hit. He's my number nine wide receiver. The model has a low-end comp of him as Trey Quinn. Um, he was, what, Mr. Relevant a few years ago for Washington. And a high-end comp of Robert Woods. I don't see him doing that. But again, you know, a lot of crazier things have happened. So Tylen Wallace is my number nine wide receiver. Number 10, Terrace Marshall Jr. Man, I've seen some people have him as high as number two in this class. Terrence Marshall Jr. was a five-star recruit um, as a two games into his senior season of high school, he broke his fibula and he dislocated his ankle in his left leg. Um, still came in as the number one recruit, wide receiver recruit in the nation. Went to LSU. Uh, there's articles he talks about how his freshman season he was in pain quite a bit. That could um, answer the questions of why he didn't produce at an early age. His sophomore season, that's when LSU really started taking off with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. He played most of the season, was touchdown dependent, missed three games because he fractured the, his foot on the right side. Fractured his right foot, uh, missed three games, came back, um, produced so-so, came back as a junior, played sh not all the season but most of the season. Did very well. Played a lot of slot, actually. A lot of people think he's an outside receiver, but a lot of his uh, play came in the slot. Um, he's a big slot receiver. Uh, I think he's a touchdown dependent. Has a lot of concentration concerns with his hands. But there's no doubt that he is a very good talent. He's the only other five-star wide receiver in this class. Amon Ra Ross St. Brown is a five-star. Terrace Marshall is a five-star. And if you listened to me last year, there is a thing about drafting five-star athletes. There's only 30 to 32 five-star athletes in every class. So for a wide receiver, a running back, quarterback, to be anointed a five-star wide receiver, make it through college, still have the potential to be an NFL player, that says something. But with that being said, Terrace Marshall reminds me of Donovan Peoples-Jones. A five-star athlete has all the athletic measurables. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones was fast. He could jump high. He could jump far. Um, was a great return man. Could not put it together at Michigan because he was pretty much one-dimensional. I think a lot of these highly recruited receivers win with size and speed at high school. Um, and when it gets to the college level, you have to enhance your game you have to get better at your game to be successful i think tyrus marshall and i think don people jones are, are probably the same player um, with time with coaching they can get better tyrus marshall does have the medical concerns though two leg injuries he's still young he's only 20 going to be 21 soon these injuries don't necessarily have i've talked to some some fantasy doctors uh, on twitter these injuries don't necessarily have reoccurrence concerns. Uh, they just happened. Um, but could he have, you know, 
frail bones? Could, could there be an issue there? Could there be some medical concerns? There are some knocks that he could fall in the draft because of medical concerns. We have to keep our eye on that. But if you want to take a shot on Terrence Marshall as a flyer, you know, his injury history could be the reason why he didn't prove at college and he could come to the pro and never be injured and have a great NFL career. He has the potential. But at what cost do you want to take that chance? I'm not taking that chance over other guys in this class. I'm not going to take that chance over Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown was a five-star athlete as well. He's not as fast. He's not as electric. He's not as exciting as Terrace Marshall. But neither was Juju Smith-Schuster. Neither was Robert Woods. Neither was um, Keenan Allen. And those players did awfully good at the NFL level. So I'm... I feel much more confident drafting St. Brown in a fancy draft than Terrace Marshall. But if you like him, go after your guy. Um, I can't knock you for that. All right, so let's talk about his uh, comps real quick. So Terrace Marshall, his low-end comp is Zay Jones. And unfortunately, if you listen to me, I hyped Zay Jones a few years ago as a breakout candidate. Man, he, he got me. Uh, low income Zay Jones, high income Devontae Parker for Miami. All right, now I'm going to break some hearts because I'm going to get into some outliers, some NFL project type receivers, um, and leading that list at wide receiver number 11, it seems like everybody's darling, and that's Rondale Moore. Um, Rondale Moore is very unique athlete, very unique situation here. I, I've seen some people have Rondale Moore as wide receiver one in this class. And I don't want to knock anyone's process because everyone has a process. You got to respect that. But the way I do my process, Rondale Moore is not going to make it at the next level. If Rondale makes it at the next level, he is going to be an extreme outlier Probably the outlier of all outliers ever in the NFL. And that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. And you have to weigh the cost of what you're willing to spend on that. Yes, Rondell Moore is electric in drills, right? He's fast. He's he's quick. He can jump high. But the bottom line is when you put him on a football field, what do you have, okay? As a true freshman, as a true freshman, he did very good, and I think a lot of people were hanging the hat on his true freshman production. But look at what he did. So in the model, you you have to average around 11 yards per reception to hit a top 5, top 12, top 24 ceiling. Rondell Moore didn't hit it. I think Rondell Moore was like at a 9 yards per reception. That shows me that he has to be close to the line of scrimmage um, in order to be successful, he measured in at five foot eight, five foot eight, and his arms are like I don't know what they were. They were like twenty nine inches or twenty eight inches. I mean, just a small, compact player. Basically, if there's anyone near him, they're going to be able to stick their arm over his shoulder and knock the ball down because he's not going to be able to outstretch his arms longer than most defenders. When you're a quarterback and, and the bulls are flying and you're scrambling around, it's hard to find a five foot eight wide receiver running around the field. It's not like you know you can scramble and find guys quickly like bigger receivers. 
Rondell Moore is going to have trouble at the next level if he stays at wide receiver. Now, I think that in order for him to be successful, they're going to have to figure out how to manufacture touches for him. But I think after a while, offensive coordinators get tired of that. They just want to be able to run their offense and put players in those positions to run it. They don't want to design an offense to get someone the ball. They tried that with Tavon Austin. It didn't work. They've tried that with several other wide receivers, and it just doesn't work. Being a short wide receiver with short arms in the NFL doesn't normally work. There are like absolutely no comps of Rondell Moore, like nobody that I could comp him to, because he's such a unique situation that because they're similar, you basically have to go the lowest of lows and the highest of highs, right? So the lowest of lows, the the model comps him as Tavon Austin, right? A wide receiver that came in the first round was supposed to be the most electric college player. Anytime he touched the ball, he could score, whether it was kick returner, punt returner, flanker, um, outside, in the backfield, court, whatever. And what happened? He busted. He absolutely busted at the next level. He's on, I think, his third team now. If he's even, you know, I don't even know where he's playing anymore, but bouncing from team to team to team, can't make it because once you start scheming for players, defensive coordinators can figure out your formations. And they see him in a certain way. Okay, it's going to Austin. Be ready. We're, you know, they, get, they generate spies, and they're ready for that. Now, the high-end comp is the guy that we all know is wide receiver 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and that's Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill claims he's 5'10". There's some reports out there that he is around 5'8 which is a little taller than Rondell Moore is. So Rondell Moore, if he can play on the outside, he could be Tyree Kill. I mean, you never know. So those that are putting Rondell Moore as wide receiver 1, 2, or 3 are betting that he's Tyree Kill. That's the only way that you can have Rondell Moore in your top 3 to top 5 is that you think he's going to be Tyree Kill. And it's really hard to say you think he's going to be Tyree Kill because there's only one Tyree Kill. It's not like we have Tyree Kills coming every single season in the NFL. No, there's one. There's freaking one. So for you to have Rondell Moore in your top five, you're basically saying there's a one of one in the league and Rondell Moore is about to make it two of two. That is an extreme, bold call, in my opinion. I think it's more likely that Rondell Moore is a Tavon Austin than a Tyree Kill. I could be wrong, but because of that, I'm not going to have any draft capital invested in Rondell Moore. If he becomes the next Tyree Kill, I guess that I'm going to miss out on it. I, I just guess I'm going to miss out on the next Tyree Kill. But if he becomes the next Tavon Austin, I definitely will have zero shares of that. Next up, number 12, Kadarius Toney. Another shorter wide receiver. He's 22 going into the draft um, or shortly after the draft. Kadarius Toney played receiver um, most recently, has some injury concerns, um, translate over to wide receiver. The thing about Kadarius Toney is when I watch him is he doesn't, he kind of impro imp improvises his routes. This, this 11% beer is starting to hit me. Starting to hit me. He just kind of imp imp improvises in his routes. And that's not going to work at the next level. When your quarterback expects you to be at a certain place at a certain time, you better be there or else you're not going to be in the league very long. I think Kadarius Tony is going to be an electric return man. 
Um, if he doesn't work out at receiver, they'll definitely have him do some returning. So if you have a return league, Darius Tony um, could be your guy. I don't even want to spend a lot of time on him because I'm not drafting him anywhere. Uh, his low-end comp is Damian Williams from USC. Uh, not the running back, but the receiver. And his high-end comp is Nate Burleson, which Nate Burleson wasn't that bad, I don't I don't think. Um, Mr. Toe Drag Swag himself. Nate Burleson comps to Kadarius Tony. So if you want the next Nate Burleson, go ahead and draft Kadarius Tony um, and be happy if he if he hits that ceiling. Next, number 13, Dwayne Eskridge. Heard a lot of hype of Dwayne Eskridge. Same thing. Same thing. His height uh, is a concern. Besides the fact that he played 13 years in college, it seems like uh, he's entering the NFL at 24 years of age. Uh, out of Western Michigan, was a three-star athlete, has electric speed, right? Um, but again, he doesn't have the height. He doesn't have the height that we're looking for. Um, so again, I think he could be return man, deep threat, one-dimensional type players. The model comps him, low-end comp of Jacoby Ford, high-end comp of Andy Isabella. That makes sense because Andy Isabella burned me. He did. He wasn't high in the model. See, some of these... Let, let me explain to you. Some of these some of these times I watch these guys and I evaluate these guys and I don't necessarily listen to the model. And I say, you know, there's no way that the model's correct. And I'm going to bump Andy Isabella up into my top five wide receivers, even though the model didn't even like him. Even though the model did not even like Andy Isabella, I bumped him up. I encouraged people to draft him. And I got freaking burned by Andy Isabella. So I'm trying to stay true to the model the best that I can. And after Amon Ronse Brown, the model is basically based on what I think because I put in Elijah Moore, Jalen Waddle, Seth Williams, Tylen Wallace, Terrace Marshall, all those guys the model doesn't even like um, for one reason or another. So if I bump those guys up and I'm wrong, I have nobody to blame but myself because my tried and true process tells me not to draft those players. So I'm not going to draft those players or encourage you to draft those players Unless you really love them or they fall. And that that um, that outcome is baked in because we're not spending a lot on those players if they bust. So if they fall, yes, but we're not going to reach on our Jalen Waddles. We're not going to reach on our Terrace Marshalls. If they fall, we'll take shots on them. All right, next up, number 14, Tamorion Terry uh, enters the NFL at 23 years of age. He's the second oldest in his class behind Dwayne Eskridge. Um, he's a project like to see where he goes. The model thinks the low-end comp is Ruben Randall. The high-end comp is Robbie Anderson. That's our boy right there, Robbie Anderson. Um, but again, I would rather just trade the pick. I I, I mean, I'm probably not going to take Tamori on Terry unless like, it's like the end of the draft. There's very few players available. I take a shot on him and put him on a taxi. I mean, that's the only reason I really take a shot on him um, in this class. And there's some guys that I like that aren't on this list. Guys like Jalen Camp from Georgia Tech who had a great pro day, didn't really have a lot of production. Um, there's going to be players in this draft that get drafted that I don't have in my top 15 rankings. Um, so we'll, we'll go back to the drawing board. Um, I'm probably going to try to do a live stream on Saturday of the NFL draft uh, from like 1230 to 230, something like that. Um, and if anyone wants to come on, and and talk football with me hit me up on dms um the more people i have that want to talk the more 
Likely I'm going to do a stream and just try it and just kind of talk football. And we'll talk about these landing spots and see how it affects our fantasy drafts. Um, but there are going to be some players that get drafted um, that we didn't plan for, that I had to bump up, like Deontay Johnson um, a few years back. Um, all right, last one, number 15, is Amari Rogers. Uh, 21 in the draft. The low-end comp for him is Adam Humphreys. The high-end comp is Mario Manningham. Uh, you know, there's questions about Amari Rodgers. Uh, I think he's a gadget player. I think he needs manufactured touches. Um, I don't think he's like going to be a stud at the next level. The model doesn't either. Um, so he rounds out my top 15 wide receivers. So that's who I have. So let's talk about those again. At number one, Rashad Bateman in a tier by himself. The number one wide receiver in this class for me is Rashad Bateman. Number two, next tier, top 12 receivers, Devonta Smith. Jamar Chase, Deami Brown, top 24 in a tier by himself, Mr. Amon Ra St. Brown, then a tier 24, top 24 with flaws, okay? You can arrange these guys any way you choose. It's Elijah Moore, then Jalen Waddle, then Seth Williams, then Tylen Wallace, then Terrace Marshall Jr. Then the next tier are outliers, NFL projects, guys that we would take flyers on but we're not going to overdraft um, because there's a high probability that they don't make it at the next level that is number 11 rondale moore number 12 Kadarius tony number 13 Dwayne eskridge number 14 tamorion terry and number 15 amari rogers all right fam well listen i appreciate it i'm going to get this out asap so we can get it before the nfl draft and i appreciate you joining me in the lounge Stay tuned. We're going to have more stuff coming after the NFL draft. Appreciate you. You don't have to go home, but you can stay here. Till next time, this has been Roto Lounge. 